Welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. And we are back again. We have been away for a few weeks. I guess summer has just flown by. And, you know, as, as you and I are both busy and things happen, it's, it just isn't as easy to kind of hook up. Uh, well, no, nobody knows that we've been away. Well, that's true. That's true. We, <laughs> we have been here diligently waiting and watching. We, we did release an episode uh, that we had recorded um, a few weeks earlier about comic books. Uh, so, yeah. So if you were if you were listening every single week, you might have you might have felt like um, we weren't away. Just, I don't I'm know. Just giving, I don't know where I'm, I'm going there. Away our greatest secret, haven't I? I've just I, I know pre-taping. Ugh, I need man. to. I need to. I need to. Here, I'll, let me, let me re- reaffirm that we are the watchers on the wall. We are diligent. We are we are always here for you, um, never to be gone. <laughs> some kind of mantra. I need to make. I need to write some kind of like oath that if you're gonna if you're gonna be on a show with us, you have to recite it at the beginning, and then it's like okay. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty official. <laughs> that's how you know you're a real podcast, Todd, is if there's an oath. And then like, then like our listeners can recite it along with us, and we'll have the beginnings of our own religious movement. I think that would be... Not, yeah, not enough podcasts uh, require a fealty oath. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Scientology <laughs> started off the back of a science fiction writer, so like you and I can start a, a religion off the back of a podcast. I, think, I don't think enough people do that. That's not, not enough people are taking advantage of that, let's just say. It'll be like, uh, like um, in 30 Rock... Uh, uh, I wanted to call him Joe Bluth, um, but Will Arnett's character, uh, um, you know, he, he joins the Church of Practicology. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Donaghy says, you mean the cult started by Stan Lee? <laughs> he says, no, I mean the religion invented by the alien being that lives inside Stan Lee. <laughs> I actually have not seen I've not seen that episode. I need to. Oh, my God. That's um, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so we uh, it it only feels a way for us because you have done some traveling that we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm yeah. doing some traveling currently that we're not going to talk about because uh, there's nothing interesting to talk about. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, but last we uh, taped sort of a the kind of episode where we usually tape it one night and release it the next day. We talked about Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and I had this thing to tell to, to just to say to you, just a comment we can talk about if you want. Um, I thought of many comments when I listened back to that episode of like, because we, we were just so, we just loved this show. And it's, uh, I mean, man, I just want to like watch it and talk about it all the time. But mm-hmm. but one great thing you said was uh, we talked about what, you know, if, if you hadn't watched Stranger Things, what would be the best way to watch it? Um, and actually, this is probably a good thing. We're not going to spoil it right now. We're just going to talk about how to watch it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. we so, spoiled the hell out of it in the last episode. Yeah, definitely don't. You'll you'll get spoiler warnings on that. But um, the uh, uh, but we talked about maybe the ideal way would be like two hours a night. And then there's this running theme that you and I have talked about since day one, which is the you know Netflix model versus broadcast TV model of releasing content. And as I was listening back to that episode, I was like, oh my god, that's genius. We all sort of felt like Stranger Things just appeared on a Friday night. What yeah. if it appeared on a Friday night and it was like, join us tomorrow for part two? Mm. And mm-hmm. every night, Netflix just put out two hours. I mean, Stranger Things could do that. Uh, Jessica Jones could do that. Game of Thrones could do that. Like, what a week that would be. Oh, my you know? God. I, you know every- what? I at first, I would say because so many people binge stuff, but Stranger yeah. Things is, I've, and I've had some other friends confirm this as well. Stranger Things is the first show where I felt so satisfied after watching two episodes that I didn't need to just keep like I had to take a breather. Um, yeah, and you know it's it's and with binging too, like 
it's kind of a commitment. So you, you know, if you, let's say you finish it off that first night or first day, then you're waiting around for a week for somebody else to finish it off so you can talk about it. And it's like, and that's, and usually there's kind of this expectation now, you know, if you're going to watch a show, you better damn well binge it. Otherwise you're going to be left out of the conversation. So, yeah. you know, I think people I, feel kind of like this Herculean uh, effort to, to catch up on content. So I love this idea because it's, yeah. it would give everybody the chance to go, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll jump in and, then if you, let's say you miss the first night, you can at least watch four the next night, you know, to, to leave. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. Not that they should remove it from circulation, just that instead of putting the whole season out, what if they just rolled out two, two episodes or two hour episodes, you know, like here's yeah. a two hour block, here's another two hour block. Um, I just, that idea just stuck with me. I just thought it was so cool. And I, you, what you just said is exactly right about how that there's a, almost a pressure to binge watch once you miss yeah, something and have yeah. to catch up. And I, I definitely felt that with Stranger Things because every day at my job, you know, I was getting asked about like, have you, have you watched it? Have you, you know, and I knew, well, I can't go in and say, I've only watched two episodes. So I, I even those people, that, that weekend, like I got to finish it this weekend because someone's going to talk about it. I'd argue a lot of those people too had only at that point seen one or two episodes. Like I think a lot of the people who like the next year, like, Oh, have you seen it? Have not finished the entire series, maybe one or two, but like the majority of people I think don't have the time on a Friday night to just sit there the whole time or the weekend. So maybe they've seen half of it. I, the other thing I was going to mention too, this is, this is going way back, but back in the day, NBC used to partner with Hallmark and released every year around April, these really cool mini series. So it started with Gulliver's Travels. Then the next year was the Odyssey. Then, um, Oh God, now I'm I'm going to, Oh, Merlin, Merlin came after that. They were doing these. Yeah. And it was, it was one night and then it was usually split one night. And then the next night was the the second half. Um, this kind of culminated though. And their last big one was, a multi it was basically the whole week and it was the 10th kingdom it was the biggest production they'd ever done it was kind of like they they had built up to that and it was like i think it was on four or five nights that week and it was they just showed a different hour or a different hour and a half every night and so by the time you were done like you felt like you had spent your week invested in this almost like this camp like summer camp where it's like we're gonna watch this every night it was really 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 cool um you know, and help that it was a great series too. But I remember that just having that experience of like going to school the next day, going, "Oh, did you guys watch it? Oh my god, can't wait to see what they do tonight." And then, but the immediacy of it, like you felt like, you know, it wasn't like you had to wait a week; you could wait a day, and then you know, uh, actually get on with your life in the meantime and not be yeah. a slave to the show. So that's a great. You know, I wonder why they don't. I wonder if they've talked about it. Well, and like one of the other uh, things we brought up, especially with Jessica Jones, was, you know, they probably could have shaved off a couple of like we could have lost two entire hours of that show and felt it was a little bit tighter, you know, story wise. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so I do think that this is one of those growing (laughs) pains of the Netflix model is there they'll sort of decide on, you know, this is what how many episodes it's going to take to tell the arc. Um, but you you know you just sort of wonder like well you, do you really need 13 or you really need 10 or you know where like where does that fall appropriately like maybe it is only 3 nights of 2 hour episodes or something mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you might have these big event weeks on Netflix or or Hulu or you know HBO where it's there is this this sense of occasion of like yeah we don't all have to be online at 7 p.m. yeah but, yeah uh, we're all going to watch it that night and talk about it the next day you know well and i think it, about so you'd own i mean you'd own the news cycle in terms of culture and press mm-hmm. tv press for that whole week and it would just be like your yeah. week and you'd you know you'd have to be people would get competitive it'd be like movies where like you know maybe amazon and netflix try to launch a, ma- a massive show the same week um you know so there's a little of that to be done too the other keep this in mind too we're talking about a show 
and now there's this other this other hip hop show with uh, Will Smith's kid that has come out too that I forget the name of it, but they just sort of the get down the get down sort of the same way as Stranger Things. They're just like I remember seeing one article like a week before going, "Hey, Stranger Things is coming." That's it. Like no press, no Netflix wasn't running like constant like at least as far as I know wasn't running like constant like trailers and like here it comes in like a month, you know, three months from now it's coming. It was just like hey on that Monday it's like hey this is coming. And then that Friday, it was here, and then it was like, boom! Everybody's like, "Holy crap! This is this is this exists." Um, you know, there wasn't like Winona Ryder wasn't doing the rounds on Jimmy Kimmel and shit like a week before it came out. At least as far as I know, like I didn't hear yeah. about any of that. Somebody's probably gonna be like, good. "Somebody's gonna probably write in or 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 let us know." Like, "Oh no no no, they had a huge campaign. You just weren't paying attention." Right? I, I, I didn't I didn't notice it. I didn't see it. You know. And usually, well, they, I, I mean, that's probably part of that model and why it works so well, releasing all at once, is that they get to kind of back in the publicity. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like we don't we definitely don't want to turn into the movie business where they hype a movie for a year and then it's shit. And then <laughs> and it doesn't weird, make enough money, of, you know, and it prevents yeah. another better movie from getting made. So they kind of do do that pre-release stuff with their big like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black. They true. do give you about a, a couple weeks of it's coming, like catch up on the old ones. Um, so I'm but sure they'll do they that with do that in the first season. I don't really remember. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, for for Orange is the New Black, I think they just. I mean, I I knew it was coming. Yeah. But there was very little fanfare. It was just like here it is, and then they just, just kind of let it live or die, and then see what happens and, and go from yeah. there. Um. Yeah, and even like, well, it's weird. It's like Voltron, though. So when they released Voltron earlier this summer, um, right? They had a little bit more fanfare for that. So like, it just—it's surprising that a show this good and this well done and you know big budget wouldn't have had, you know, as much as let's say the Suicide Squad, which we heard about for two years before that damn thing came out, and then like every day for a month, as they just sort of unloaded their advertising inventory uh, <laughs> on all channels. It's like a political campaign. It's like here it is every day. Here's Harley Quinn yet again, yet again. So well, uh, while we're while we're covering all things uh, quickly, um, because that is a good model of like sort of the big studio uh, promotion gone awry. I did see Suicide Squad. Have you Ooh. seen it at all? I I have not. I was so okay. tempted, and then I started reading the the reviews, and then a couple key friends of mine who whose opinion I usually sort of you know agree with. They're like, well, you know, you could see it. There's some good and some bad, but it's you know you're you're probably better off just renting it. So I'm like, all right. Uh, I have not. Yeah, and we talked about it the week of our Stranger Things podcast. We we briefly said, like, do we want to cover Suicide Squad? That was kind of, you know, do we want to wedge that in with a Stranger Things podcast, do it on its own, whatever? And then I just sort of decided, you know what? My <clears throat> It was neither so good nor so bad that mm-hmm. I feel any reason to talk about it, certainly not for an entire episode of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the experience of sitting there uh, mm. and watching it, but it like, I didn't, um, and I would watch it again, but I didn't, uh, it, I don't know. It was just so the plot of it was just such a, like the kind of plot we've seen before that just yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. And it, you know, there's a, the, there are these huge stakes, but you don't really feel them because you you're not really invested in the characters, and you're also not invested in what happens if the stakes go wrong in this particular, uh, you know, story. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think that that's probably enough to say about it. Uh, there was. Well, a, I, I have a couple quick questions. So it sure, feels like sure. there's, this is probably getting into spoiler territory, but it feels like the entire plot was Lord of the Rings esque, and by that I mean they could have easily solved everything by just sending like one plane to drop one bomb. 
on whomever and they didn't even need to send a team in necessarily like you know much like lord of the rings all they had to do is just fly the ring over to the volcano and drop it in and they could have avoided three hours of story um or nine hours of story i guess but so it seems like that's is that does that fair like they could like the solution of the this team of misfit you know villains coming together was kind of superfluous well so there and i I guess you know well here we go i could maybe i could spin an episode out of this I guess the thing to me was I actually liked the way they tied it into the DC universe mm-hmm. because if the this, movie universe, you mean? Yes. Okay. This takes place right after Batman V Superman. So Superman is, you know, in hilarious air quotes, dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this pitch among the, you know, government uh, agents in the movie, you know, the one um, uh, uh, is her character's name, Amanda Waller. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Bill Davis. Davis. Yes, and she is saying, um, "Look, we need it. We need the Expendables in mm-hmm. uh, in superhero form because if someone can kill Superman, you know we're we're in trouble." So mm-hmm. I, that pitch actually kind of connects. Like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, the the universe is darker. Superman is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- you kind of get the justification, but then the actual mission that they go on doesn't make any sense because. Um, and even in a worse way than the Marvel Universe has done it, it is all her fault. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Amanda Waller's fault. Oh, no. I lost your audio, sir. We're going to have to edit this part out. I don't hear you. Gosh, so where were we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I've, I haven't stopped recording or anything. Good. So. I, uh, yeah, I am on uh, a Comcast uh, Xfinity, which they rebranded so that people are not reminded that Comcast is routinely voted the worst company in America. Yeah. Um, they are in Nashville, Tennessee, where they run these ads about how they're better than Google Fiber, and that has got to be straight up bullshit. Oh yeah. My oh, yeah. parents lose their connection all the time. This is the worst. No one should ever use Comcast for anything. I'll leave that in the episode. Yeah, there we go. So we were talking about <clears throat> Suicide Squad, I think. Where were we specifically? Well, uh, I said a bunch of really eloquent stuff. <laughs> I don't know exactly well, where you, we were specifically. Let me. Uh, I, I had a question for you while you were saying all those wonderful eloquent, yes. eloquent things, and that is this. It, it, the Joker himself is more like a side story, right? He's not a main crucial element in any yeah. of, of the story. I was actually very relieved by that. Um, I was afraid that we were going to see, like, you know, the first act was going to be putting the squad together. The second act was going to be they have to do something, you know, official and heroic. And then the third act was going to be all Joker. Um, see, I – yeah. Yeah. I wish it had been because, like, when they said the Enchantress was the main villain, I was like, really? And then because the, the Joker, you know, they build him up to be this, like, big, huge thing. And it would have been awesome to see bad guy versus bad guy, you know, and that's in, like, that classic sense. Like, he's, you know, especially it, they see they seem to be making him more of, like, a mob boss in this movie as, you know, in terms of his persona. So it'd be cool to see him, like, have, you know, just sort of all this all this stuff figured out. Or maybe he found some kryptonite or something. You know, it's like something more... With his story, yeah, they're, they're, they could have worked it in a way. It's not that I wouldn't have wanted to see that done right. I was just afraid <laughs> we're not going to see it done right. We're just going to yeah. see like 
a long Joker battle, and I didn't want to see that just because the way he was brought in. Um, Because uh, I'm I'm trying to think back. What did you think of this Joker? It's just weird. You know, he's uh, he's comic booky. It's uh, there's probably some there's some uh, smart commentary I've read from other people about you know Jared Leto's like uh, method acting method and how it's not really about the character anymore. It's just about the ego of the actor saying that. Mm -hmm. And if he hadn't talked so damn much about his method acting. Uh, mm-hmm. And we hadn't heard so many stories from the set about him, then you might go, "That's a really great Joker." But as it is, you—it was really hard for me, at least, to, you know, divorce <laughs> myself from yeah. thinking, "Well, that's Jared Leto as the Joker, like the whole time." Like, yeah, if you're yeah. gonna method act, just shut up about it. <laughs> shut up and um, do it. Show up and do your thing, and then go back and do it. Yeah, that. yeah. So otherwise, it's just you know, give us a I mean, Daniel Day Lewis. Don't give us a, a you know what. Who's another method actor that's just, like, man. <laughs> uh, you know, the Marlon Brando or yeah, or whatever, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There you um, go. Uh, you know, he's he's good as a, a a cartoon villain. He's obviously like really cruel and stuff. It's not, not like a, a kid's joke or anything. Do they explain how the tattoos came into being, or are they, are they just no, there? I think they just sort of are there. Yeah, yeah. like from his get go, from the flashback with Harley, establishing how she you know, fell in love with him. He's, just, he's always worst, tattooed. It's yeah. the worst part for me. Like if the tattoos weren't there, I I would like this so much more, but that's just, there's ever since the first photo came out of him with damage tattooed on his goddamn forehead. <laughs> I'm like, who, what? Like, is this just a, is this just a giant commercial for hot topic at the end of the day? I mean, really, is that really what this, what this purports to be? I mean, it's, it's, it's just hard. It's hard. The thing is the movie makes it hard to defend it to defend itself against that accusation. Okay. Like I would, I would kind of want to say, no, 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 it's not the hot topic movie you've been worried about, but you know, there's probably enough things that happen in where I'm like, yeah, okay. I did yeah. want to plug um, this uh, YouTuber named Jenny Nicholson has gotten a, tons of hits from this already, but she did this really funny video about the suicide squad sales pitch, mm-hmm. um, which I will put in the show notes, which is, it's like, you know, if you're definitely not going to see the movie or you have seen the movie and felt the way I did about it, where you're kind of like, it wasn't terribly good and it wasn't terribly bad. Um, it's a great, it's a really funny video because she, it's sort of like, um, you know, there's a, uh, like an organization that does those videos that are um, like, what's wrong with this movie mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. five minutes or whatever. And those always annoy me because they're just listing things that. Like cinema sins, like those. those yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah. And it's like, you're, we're suspending our disbelief already. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll list things wrong with a movie. Like who believes that a, a guy in a bat suit can walk down the street? And it's like, yeah, we're watching a comic book movie, man. We already, yeah, we already yeah. do believe that. Um, <laughs> but she does a great job of like actually, like it's like a, a sketch where she's playing two roles and and having a conversation and she totally you know explains what's wrong with the plot by having two characters from the movie talk about the plot and it's like yeah that's yeah why are they doing that how, how, why you know if they're if they're the expendables why did you send like 50 you know a, a army <laughs> you know like military men along with them oh really like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't like, like walking a, it wasn't through like the a, city. It wasn't like a crack sniper team or like a Mission Impossible, like covert ops kind of thing. It's just like, here they all are. It's just a whole battalion of good guys, you know, <laughs> like of like enlisted men in the army. Mm. Oh, no, I lost you again. Damn it. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm on a shaky internet connection thanks to Comcast and Xfinity. This episode not sponsored by Comcast or Xfinity. Yeah, fuck Comcast and Xfinity. Go fuck yourself. Anyway, back to that. (laughs) So anyway, I'll just say that. Go look up Jenny Nicholson's Suicide Squad sales pitch. That's really funny. Um, Yeah, let's round up some of these quick – these trailers that we saw. Yeah, well, let me just preface this by saying, too, you had put a couple – you put a note for Rogue One on here. And I uh, I wanted to clarify this by saying, and this kind of piggies back off of something I said in the Stranger Things episode, uh, episode we did, which is the summer movie season has been largely worthless to me. And I'm, you know, I'm Mr. Summer <laughs> Movie. Like that was always, you know, in the last 10 years, 15 years, that was always my favorite thing yeah. to look forward to. And now I'm watching all these trailers for the fall winter season. And I'm like, Jesus, it, this is what summer should have been. Um, almost to the point where yeah. I'm kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to have time to see half of these things. And it's not just it's not just uh, geeky sci-fi fantasy stuff. There's some legitimately just good, just good, good movies coming out too with J.K. Simmons and you know as a Wall Street banker or some such thing. So it's there's all kinds of really cool stuff. But Rogue One kind of leads the list, right? That seems to be yeah. that new trailer, especially which we've both seen. Um, yeah. It. For me, I mean, what, what for you? What did it do? Did it get you more excited, less excited? Was it a whole new lens to look at that movie through? I was pretty excited from the first trailer we saw because um, I don't. I, I just when I heard that they were going to be doing like you know an episode eight and an episode nine and episode ten uh, in between, and in between those they were going to do sort of like other stories from Star Wars. For some reason, I just thought well, okay, the production value is not going to be as good or the, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be more like cartoony or something. I just didn't expect like a full on Star Wars movie every year for the next yeah. 10 years or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. so that first trailer let me know like, no, the stuff, you know? Oh, we're serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this I'm one just got not. me even more. And in fact, I might even be, well, I'm definitely more excited than I was when I saw that first trailer. Um, I, I, it's, I, I wouldn't say I'm more excited than the force awakens but i almost feel like excited that this is a new sort yes, of yes yes i mean we saw darth at the end of this one darth vader that is i guess not one of the other darths um but it uh <laughs> it was uh yeah it was still it still feels like new territory you know it's stories they haven't the darth told, vader but the characters thing. they haven't told the Darth Vader thing wasn't even the most exciting thing for me. You know, if anything, no, that no, was no. like a, oh, I guess he's here too. But I mean, there's some people who lost their collective shit over his appearance, but I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I don't, yeah, I did. I'm not, so I don't feel that. Visuals. There's so many more visuals and things that we have not seen. Like, you know, even like when Ray's or not Ray, whatever her, whatever Jen. Jen, with her running down the sort of the gangplank and then the, the TIE fighter like rises up to, to you know, hit, oh, beat her yeah. face on. Like that kind of shit was just like, whoa, like we haven't seen half of this stuff before. Even like, you know, the, with the Death Star sort of silhouetted in the day, the daytime sky, you know, as it would be in real, in, in the real world. Like you'd see yeah. this kind of, you know, hazy shape of a thing. And it's just like all of that. You know, just showing us showing off the Death Star in ways that we haven't seen before, and um, you know, showing us just different different aspects. And it's new. You know, it's all it's all this familiar stuff couched in a very new, um, a new frame, a new lens, a new way of looking at it. That's that. I will I will go one past you. I am more excited for this than I was the Force Awakens. Yeah, there's um, it, uh, yeah. I mean, I still I still differentiate them in a different way. You know, I was excited for that in a nostalgic way. I'm excited sure, for this sure. in like this is sort of the reboot to the universe that I, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's got me excited about it. Like, yeah, you can tell stories about this and you don't have to keep telling 
about the same characters or whatever. You know, we can. I don't know. I'm, I, especially well, Mon Mon, done this well. It just, Mon Mothma it. Great. So she's, you know, she's a familiar face. But it's, re- you know, what's really that, funny. True, yeah. Have we talked about the fact that the that the actress playing Mon Mothma in this is who they cast to be the same character? I think episode two, like fourteen years ago, uh, when George Lucas was doing the prequels, he cast the same actress to be Mon Mothma. And I don't know if she, I don't know if she only just made it into the 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 cutscenes. I don't th- think she actually made it to the, oh. the final movie. But it's that same actress, and age, I mean, like aged appropriately to the point where she would have been in, uh, you know, a New Hope's timeline, essentially. So it's kind of a clever. She she basically got to yeah. be my mouth my after all, which is really kind of funny. Are you uh, are you are you are you, are you thinking this is going to be? Are we going to see like the scroll and all that kind of stuff? Are you are you thinking they're going to go more of a? This is a different kind of movie. Like we're gonna you know we're gonna have a different intro for a Star Wars movie and just kind of separate these because there's been talk both ways. I don't think the studio even knows quite yet how they're going to, how they're going to roll with it. Good question. I, I don't know. I mean, just the appearance of like, um, uh, what I for 30 something years called at ats, but I have now been corrected to refer to them as ATATs. Um, it's just like, wait, 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 who's, who's correcting you on that? Super nerds. <laughs> I've heard super nerds themselves refer to it as an ad ad. Like who, who's getting persnickety about that all of a sudden? That's weird. <laughs> I assume, I, I don't know. I assume there's been, I always think like, well, there must, it must've been in like the uh, animated series or in the video games or something where oh, someone yeah. actually says that name versus it just being the name of the toy that I grew up huh. with, you know, cause there's ATST also, also. So you got to differentiate. Oh, um, fair enough. And the, uh, but just, uh, the appearance of those things makes me feel like it's it's definitely you know anchored in um the universe so i just would think like yeah there's just gonna be a scroll of course but I, that's gonna a be really weird funny question don't. that i haven't even thought about yeah it's gonna be weird if they don't it's gonna be weird you know if they don't have the if they don't have the traditional dun, 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 if they don't have the john williams like music playing in the beginning like it's gonna be jarring at first and i think it really depends on what their opening scene is you know if they're gonna set up like a you know uh, a James Bond kind of style, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna cut to the movie already in action and give you like a little warm up scene before we show you, you know, the rest of it. Like, maybe there's a way, maybe there's a way around it. I just don't know. It's a lot has been made about that fact that they may try to brand this even in the movie as like a separate kind of like, you know, don't don't think this is part of the trilogy or part, you know, any of that. Yeah. This is like a whole new thing. Because then they're they're gonna have to do the same thing for the Han Solo movie for the Boba Fett movie. Um, yeah. you know, all the, cause like if they're doing it, the Han Solo movie is going to be part of this. So if they're going to say, well, those movies don't get the, the intro, but then you have a Han Solo movie that's completely connected to a character from the original trilogy. It's going to be weird to suddenly be like, why was, why doesn't this have the scroll? You know, like why, where do you draw that line? So I don't know. I, um, one of the other comments I saw, uh, probably it's, you know, sometime around the trailer, um, uh, from Joanna Robinson, she had she tweeted like a uh, some early concept art of the like the you know the hero team from Rogue One, mm-hmm. and then the actual uh, photo of the cast, and said you know this is look look and see what a diversity push can do in a movie, and to me like it just looks so much like that world should look like yeah, very diverse yeah. and in every way yeah. and uh i i watching this trailer i was just very aware of that and how when recently i'd watched an, uh what everyone calls a new hope which i call star wars um how 
you know, there's a scene of all the pilots uh, sitting in this one room and this jackass farm kid that's bragging about how he can shoot a rat, you know, and you're like, oh, Dude, yeah. this yeah, is yeah. like an expensive fighter plane. You should not be uh, <laughs> yeah, bragging yeah. about your, your uh, exterminating skills. You know, <laughs> it's not the same. Um, but when you look at that, it's just it's just a bunch of white dudes. <laughs> it looks like, you know, these are the guys that hung out at the hardware store, (laughs) you know, in home improvement or something. And they're all going to go like blow up the death star. And I just, I'm so excited about, uh, you know, a star Wars universe that sort of, uh, or a movie that delivers on that promise of the diverse universe and everything. Second new movie two in a row that features a, a female as the lead protagonist. Yeah. Think about that. They're on a, they're on a little roll with, you know, uh, keep in mind, I am all for that. I, my favorite lead characters are females. So it's, you know, more the merrier but it's just like <clears throat> it's interesting that they're they're kind of just they're still on that you know and granted it's going to get a little it's going to get a little man crazy when we see you know a han solo movie and all that like that's going to be the balance to it so if you're like you know if you're a <laughs> if you're a scorned if you're a scorned white man out there going where's where am i where am i gonna get represented don't worry <laughs> han solo's coming you're gonna have all the all the time you you need with that but you yeah. know boba fett too if you know i guess what do we know boba fett's race really i mean it, yeah it's revealed in the prequels but are they going to stick to that um, I, I, I have such a, such a profound lack of interest in a Boba Fett movie. <laughs> I can't even speculate on that. Are they still even doing it at this point, or have they canceled? I mean, that was always the one that they talked about. Like, oh, we're going to do a Boba Fett origin movie. Uh, You're going to see how cool he is. It's like, okay. I definitely hadn't heard anything about a cancellation, but it's it's one that I – I, whenever there's news, I just ignore it because I think this yeah. is so stupid. Well, um, let's move on because yeah. there are some trailers that are yeah. not stupid. You had mentioned uh, Doctor Strange. You know, is there something new that you've seen or is this the Comic-Con trailer? I think it's just the Comic-Con trailer again. But every time okay. I see it, it feels like it's a, a, a new trailer. And just every time they show more visuals, uh, either in screenshots or just trailers, like I just get more and more excited for this damn movie. And I don't know why. I feel like it's... You know, it, it it definitely echoes a lot of that Inception stuff that yeah. was so cool in that first Inception trailer, you know, with the world bending in yeah. on itself and everything. Um, but it just looks like, man, it's, it's you know, when they first announced that they were going to do the movie and they're like, we're going to make it all trippy and psychedelic, I was kind of worried. I was like, I don't. I don't need to see a movie with, you know, rainbow fractals everywhere and everything. Like I just kind of, I, I was thinking more of the seven, you know, 60s, 70s psychedelic and not like, Oh, we're going to show you some like crazy, like, you know, cool, modern Christopher Nolan style visuals. Like that's just the look of it is something like we haven't ever seen before, you know, yeah. just in terms of the cinematography and just the shot design and everything. So I'm, I'm just stoked. Yeah. You know, and the only, the only thing I have, the only sort of mm, in, in my mind is, Every time, keep in mind, most of these trailers, Benedict Cumberbatch hasn't spoken but maybe two words. And so it's it's like you – and when you catch him doing the house, you know, the kind of the house accent, it's a little <laughs> off-putting. And you're so used to hear – you're so used to hearing like, you know, every other movie he's ever been in, it's his own British accent. So it's weird to suddenly hear yeah. this American like, wow, I think. And, it's, and it does. It sounds like freaking house. Like it sounds like something's not quite yeah. – right with this accent i don't know what so i don't know well you know i in my mind they should have just let him roll with the british because i don't how the hell is he gonna say hoary host of horgoth in an american accent like how's, <laughs> what's that gonna sound like i thought when they cast him I'm like oh they're casting him because only sherlock's voice can say these magical terms and with any sort of gravity or yeah gravitas, exactly you know? And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about the origin of Doctor Strange in the comics. So to me, he, they could have made him from anywhere, and that would have yeah, been fine yeah. with it. So well, and let's let's not forget it, it's, a, it's of, always 
Yeah. There's a lot of consternation that he wasn't like, you know, they're like, well, he needs to be a, a you know, a brown skinned man or someone of like Arabian descent or you know, Middle Eastern descent. And there's always that was like the big deal. So when he was cast, it's like they're just whitewashing Doctor Strange. And I'm like, really? Is, it, is that is it that definitive that, you know, the that that's a that we need to watch out for that? I mean, I don't know who else you cast. They were talking about Joaquin Phoenix for a while. Maybe he's the only other person who could have pulled pulled this off. But, uh, you know, I'm fine with Cumberbatch. He looks cool. Yeah, but towards your point, they almost could have cast anyone in it because I don't think his, you know, ethnicity or anything is is that known and mm-hmm. defining to him. So, uh, it, yeah, it's um, it's it's like well, if you're gonna ca- like, you know, exactly what you said. If you're gonna cast Benedict Cumberbatch, it's probably because you want the Benedict Cumberbatch like gravitas. And <laughs> so we'll see if that accent, you know, pulls us out of the movie. Do you really want? I kind of want. Uh, I noticed this on IO9. Somebody flashed. Like, apparently, in the comics, when in like one of the newer, newer uh, Marvel Universe comics, uh, when Iron Man or Tony Stark meets Doctor Strange, the first thing they, they comment on is their their facial hair, their facial hair bros. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like a little stinger at the end where Tony Stark comes in. It's like we need you. You know, it's like hey, nice face. You know, nice nice look or something. And they have a a little stinger. That I just I don't know. I saw that posted. I saw the the image, the panel from that issue posted. I was just like, that's. <laughs> to have robert downey jr show up because that's the other big thing too is like what's the dynamic going to look like when they suddenly roll you know dr strange uh, uh t'challa all those guys into the avengers team properly you know like what that's what's that going to be like so i kind of want to see i kind of want to see glimpses of yeah, that right now and i would really like to uh i mean i, I think i've said on an earlier uh, podcast that i just like that we're, we're sort of getting away from the captain america iron man um yeah dynamic and i at least from what little i've read of dr strange which is really only in the civil war arc um i liked like i liked his character there he was a you know objector to um iron man's let's register all the superpowered people Mm -hmm. um mission and uh he um so i like the idea that the next avengers movie or maybe not the next one but that one after that will be you know scarlet witch who's got magic mm. powers and dr mm-hmm. strange who's got magic powers and black panther and you know we're done with the sort of like patriotic superheroes that you know just uh, yeah you know put on armor and <laughs> um you know they're just super weapons you know uh, yeah, yeah. uh steve so rogers Captain- is invent- invented well, as a super weapon and iron man's invented as a super weapon and that kind of thing until carol danvers shows up and then it's a matter of you know like, i think they're that that'll be kind of the return to that yep. if, if they do that correctly true and uh, that's and and uh captain marvel's another person whose origin i i'm i'm murky on so um, let's uh yeah. let's bang through a couple others so like inferno which i had completely forgotten they were even making as a movie. Um, yeah, until but, I mentioned to you, I'd seen a trailer for it. <laughs> yeah, the third, of, which the third is the, in line of the Da Vinci Code movies, and it's like I was watching. What was I watching that that popped up in? It was um, oh god, now I just forgot the movie. Anyway, it popped up in the, the theaters in front of a you know a movie I was watching. I was like, what? This is coming out? Like I I had completely forgotten. I'm gonna. Well, say, I saw it before Ghostbusters. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly where I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I forgot and seen I've seen Ghostbusters, but yeah, it's um, it popped up and like so I hadn't seen it online or anything, so it was kind of badass seeing it in the theater for the first time, forgetting it was even being made. I'm gonna say it looks kind of badass. Like it looks the it visual look of it looks very contemporary. Um, you know, at at some point, I, I was a, I'm somebody who, you know, I love the first Da Vinci Code movie. I love the Angels and Demons book. 
hated the movie. Like the movie <laughs> failed in every way to adapt that damn book, which was basically a screenplay already. So they dropped the ball on that. So this was the Inferno book is is probably not as good as Angels and Demons, but it looks like they're treating the movie. I mean, the movie looks way more exciting than the book. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of excited for it. It's an October movie though. So all these movies that probably would have been summer summer releases four or five years ago are all of a sudden popping up in September, October. Um, a couple others yeah. that, that caught my eye that uh, that Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children or whatever that movie is that's yeah. coming out in September, um, pretty soon actually. Morgan, this uh, sort of almost Deus Ex Mac or this Ex Machina horror movie, essentially like it has like a lot of the same visual sort of sensibility as Ex Machina. That's coming out, in, I think, a week or two, September second. Um, goodness, uh, let's see the Blair Witch movie, which apparently they dro- just dropped at Comic Con, and everybody was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's right. coming out. Uh, here, I'm just kind of looking at Magnificent Seven. Um, hang on here. I mean, Jack Reacher, if you care about that, but that's you know, it's like that's like a traditional summer action movie coming out um, in October. I talked about Inferno. Let me look at yeah. November. November is uh, uh, Rogue One. Oh, Arrival. That's the other big one. So November's got uh, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, and then this movie called Arrival, which I didn't even know was being made. Uh, go Google that trailer. That thing looks – that looks like the Christopher Nolan movie that we, we should be getting. Uh, it's not him at all, <laughs> but it looks like it's something – I mean, like the visual of it and the way it's shot looks like a Nolan movie. So I'm like, what? this is coming out? So that's November. So just the next three months are going to be – our cup's going to run us over with all these, yeah. all these killer movies, which is I'm, I'm happy with because I honestly have not spent much time in the theater this summer. And the time I have spent has been mediocre at best. Like, you know, Ghostbusters was fun, yeah. but it was just like, mm, I guess. By the way, I got I to I throw this eighth real quick. I was talking after Ghostbusters. Um, and I, maybe we've talked about this already. I really wish, in hindsight, instead of trying to reboot Ghostbusters, take the exact same cast, exact same director, exact same writing team even and go and do a, a hocus pocus two, and you could have done like i i because hocus pocus <laughs> is one of those movies that's like become kind of a cult favorite for anybody who grew up in the 90s and it's like it's one of those movies where you could have easily and you could have even had the, the three original witches make it make it a cameo or something if you like make it like a prequel if you will to like those <laughs> events of that or you just make it a, a true sequel and you put leslie jones as like the host of a reality show that's like you know like kind of like a ghost hunters kind of show and then they in the course of the show, they find these three witches, which are played by McKinnon, McCarthy, and um, Wig. Well, and, like, <laughs> it could go on this whole – like, it would have been – honest to God, nobody would have complained. Everybody would have loved it because it's like, oh, my God, perfect, perfect casting. Leslie Jones could have had, like, this really great breakout role as, like, this, you know, kind of skeptical reality <laughs> host. That, like, it would just – it would have been amazing. Um, well, so, you know. In another Number world. one, I, I love that pitch on that movie. <laughs> Number two, I don't know that they wouldn't that they would have uh, not had to do Ghostbusters in order to do that. Like they could still do that. Maybe you're saying they kind of poisoned the well of doing it because they made that cast as in Ghostbusters. But number three, I think Hocus Pocus the movie is garbage. <laughs> oh, it's not good. I mean, no, I'm not saying, I know. but it's I know one I'm of those movies that, that gonna... I have no fond feelings about it at all. <laughs> If you're gonna reboot, you're gonna yeah, reboot. I don't ever want to see another Hocus Pocus. No, but if you're ever gonna reboot something, right? If you're upset, yeah. if you're as a studio, like we gotta get, we gotta get money out of our IP, and you know, Hocus Pocus <laughs> is a Disney property, so it's it's a weird, it's a weird thing in that it's not Sony who needs who needs a hit desperately. Disney is like we're good, like we don't, you know, um, you have to convince yeah. Disney to do it. But like of all the movies to reboot, take one that was sort of you know not great, 
And it's almost like cult status for how ridiculous it is. It's almost like a community theater play, right? That just happens to involve, sure. like, you know, Bette Midler just chewing on scenery to like her heart's content. And it's wonderful. You know, it's, it just has that sort of like, oh man. And so if you're going to reboot something or sequelize it or, you know, continue it on yeah. into a franchise, use that. And then, you know, you could even cameo like Bette Midler and those, those other women in, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker in uh, it. Someone there, it would have been perfect. If, it, it would have been, it would have had all the good, sort of um what do you want to call it the 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 the, the good nature that the they good really, will right? the good will there we go god the goodwill that you'd hoped ghostbusters would have had you know because they put you know all the original cast and stuff in the ghostbusters movie and you they really wanted to be like we're you know we care about the fans i think this would have done all of that without even trying you know but it's it's probably too late I, I guess i would just say that i think those are two different audiences because i super enjoyed the new ghostbusters movie and wouldn't even I would never go see a Hocus Pocus 2. But well, I know I'm not the target audience, and I know there is a rabid fan base for it. Um, you know, there, I, there are people who yeah. uh, cosplay those sisters every, oh, yeah. at every con. So it would definitely be, yeah, I'm definitely in the <laughs> minority there. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that is an interesting, uh, that's such an interesting idea of a reboot. We could ju- just do a whole show where we just fantasize about reboots we'd like to see. We should, or, yeah. Or sequels. Um, and complain about those that we but, didn't want to see. It's like, hey. Oh, I could definitely do that. Or, <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, how'd that Independence Day 2 do this well, <laughs> this, this year? I mean, that's all you need to say. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are like, wait, did Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World was last year, right? That wasn't this summer? Yeah. Okay, see, that's that just shows how little this summer <laughs> impressed me, because I'm like, I'm pulling movies from last summer going, well, that there was that, but no, there wasn't even that. There was, you right. know. And you could say, well, yeah, but Civil War, I'm again, Civil War was fine, but I, you know, it wasn't as, you know, Civil War felt like my duty as like a taxpayer. Like, I have to go see this movie, you know, and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, what? Like, think back six years now. It's been six years since Inception came out, August of 2010. And remember how freaking that blew us all away. Like, it was just it came kind of towards the end of summer and it just just assaulted us all yeah and i want i want that and it looks like the fall is going to offer a lot of promise there so we'll keep an eye on it well uh if you i don't know if you would have seen this but right ahead of suicide squad i saw the trailer for dunkirk which is christopher nolan's new movie and it looks awesome okay i've heard of dunkirk i've, I've heard yeah. that he's doing it but i have not seen a single frame so that's i did not realize the trailer was was ready yeah, walk, it's beautiful. Walk me through really quick. What is it? What is the? I I couldn't even tell you. Like the, I mean, I could. All I could do is describe the shot, like the main shot of the trailer, mm-hmm. which is just this very arresting image of the uh, soldiers. I <clears throat> I guess they're on a landing boat, um, like a you know troop transport, um, and uh, in World War Two. Um, so. Uh, I, it's just it just looks good it just it's like so it's the battle of, and it's gritty and it's dark and it's yeah it's the battle of dunkirk okay um and uh which um i assume i like i hate that i don't know the history here but i would assume that like the english had a big um role that they played in that i i assume this is like a bigger uh good story in in english history than it is in american history probably and that's why nolan's doing it i, I guess like he's mm-hmm. you know it's a but um, yeah, I just I'm uh, poorly ignorant on all of that. I don't know, but it just yeah, that's what Nolan's been up to. <laughs> well, it's cool to see him. You know, I, I'm going to say Interstellar was not 
is not the movie we should. And I didn't see it. I, yeah. I, I finally. I mean, it's it's all over. It's on Hulu. It's on and it's free everywhere you look. But like, it just isn't. And yeah, it, the performances are fine, but it's just like it's just it's kind of like his weakest movie, in my opinion. Gotcha. Like, it's just like you know, you look at all the other cool stuff, and you look at what he he made the prestige between Batman Begins yeah. and Dark Knight, uh, just Dark Knight. Like he made it between those two movies, yeah. and the Prestige is one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely my favorite or top two of his of all time. So it's like the fact that he did that between two big things, it was weird to have him go, okay, I'm done with Batman. Like I I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm going to do cool stuff, you know, just original stuff again. And it's like, and he did, yeah. uh, you know, he did well after Inception though, I mean, where could he do like, you know, I, I, I felt like interstellar at the time was sort of like, you know, he's even topped Inception and it, you know, and it was, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like not, not that they were pitching it that way or that he was, but the, Maybe that's how the you know the media was taking it, and I I I thought, well, no, he he can't do that. I mean, he's also so, the same guy who who directed um, uh, Insomnia, and I really really liked that movie too. That was people forget that too. Like that. that was, I think, Memento was the very first thing. Well, he had like some other indie film first, and then Memento was kind of his like, oh wow, and then Insomnia was, uh, I don't know if he wrote it, but he directed it. It was um, Robin Williams and Al Pacino, and it was kind of during Robin Williams did this sort of trilogy of dark movies it was one hour photo it was insomnia and it was death to smoochie where he played like a, some element yeah. some kind of bad guy in each and granted death to smoochie was <sighs> an exaggerated i tangent i still there are parts of death to smoochie i will still laugh at today it's it's horribly uneven but some of the jokes are really 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 good and all of them involve robin williams in some way shape or form but like uh insomnia was is this really great movie it was um who was the female uh, uh what's what's her face um god it's gonna, i am not remembering actress or actors names at all uh hillary swank hillary swank thank you i wanted to say hillary duff and i'm like that's not right yeah hillary swank's in it she's great the whole thing is good but it's got that you can tell it's got that nolan sort of the hallmarks of his direction and editing and just the you know his usual cinematographers there um so yeah, it's 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 great. But I was, you know, I was kind of hoping he would have gone back that way instead of going, you know, re- over the top, over you know, overly expensive blockbuster a la Interstellar. So, mm. well, yeah, maybe Dunkirk is a good uh, split of the two, like a really, um, you know, deep drama on a historical event that uh, is done in a really huge style because it's they definitely advertised it's in IMAX and uh, yeah. seventy millimeter where available. So um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do it big. Yeah, yeah, isn't that but, uh, what's what's his what's his uh, his his usual DP is Wally, God, what's his last name? It, and so that guy went off and directed his own movie, and it was that terrible Johnny Depp uh, AI movie. Um, God, what's that? Uh, hang on a second here. Johnny Depp AI movie. It came out a few, and it looked really. Uh, cool. I know what you're talking about. Badass, and then you you watch it, you're like, what is this? Like, it just wasn't. Yeah, it's Wally Depp's sister is the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the movie though? It's um Transcendence. And so like that looked like it could have been so much more. And it had like, you know, all the hallmarks yeah. of a Christopher Nolan movie. And you know, Killian Murphy was in it for God's sake. Rebecca Hall was in it. Like all these people you've seen, you hmm. minus Michael Caine, were in these was were in these movies, but it's it just it fell so flat. So I wonder if Wally is I think it's Wally Pfizer. Yeah, Wally Pfizer or Fister, but he's, um, I'm just looking to see, did he have anything to do with Dunkirk? He did yeah, I, not. Interesting. So he hasn't been a cinematographer oh. since the dark Knight rises. Like that was his last DP gotcha. job. So now he's so the uh, same DP for interstellar and Dunkirk. 
Yeah. So it'll be, so it's going to have a different sort of, cause while I, I mean, he's a great cinematographer. I don't think he's that great as a director after seeing that. So he's, he makes, I mean, <laughs> transcendence looked great. It just made no goddamn sense. And it was edited together in a weird off-putting way. Anyway, I, and it's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> I say that just because I, it's, if you're, if it's, you know, I think he was as crucial to the Christopher Nolan story as anybody. Cause like yeah. all, all those movies look, you can watch inception and it looks like the prestige. And I mean, there's a lot of the same lighting and framing and like there's some of those signatures are there. So you get, to, and maybe that was the thing about interstellar that threw me. It was like, this doesn't feel like a Christopher Nolan movie for some reason. It didn't have that same sort of you know context that, that I think Wally Pfizer brought to all those other ones. So it'll be curious to see, right. you know, what he does with uh, Dunkirk. Anyway, enough of that. Well, let's talk about your recent travels because there are several different topics that came up from that. Yeah. So where have you been recently? I've been to Portland, Oregon uh, last weekend. But you kind of make like an annual – you sort of make an annual pilgrimage there. Right? I do. It's This is my third year. It started, it started three years ago. My friend, a mutual friend of ours, uh, uh, moved there. Uh, and then I have kind of collected some other friends there uh, since, but three years ago, wanted to actually just drive the Oregon trail from Denver to, to Portland. And, you know, that was, I'm glad oh, cool. I did it. It wasn't quite as eventful or as, as interesting as I thought it might be. <laughs> uh, it was really treacherous on the way back actually, because it decided to just blizzard like crazy. And I got stranded in Wyoming and that's a whole other story, but so I've, I've gone and usually I go in April. So it's the first time I, I kind of missed April this year, went, went over my birthday weekend. Um, and just, you know, hung out. I like Portland for a number of reasons. One, it's, it's kind of a, it's probably like the last really well thought out compact city that's still growing like crazy, <laughs> but like, you know, you can get from downtown to the airport in like 20 minutes. Um, you know, and you can like, everything is just, it's, it's really well situated for my taste. Whereas, you know, in Denver, it takes you an hour just to get to the airport. And then once you're at the airport, it takes another two hours to get you know to your gate. And it's just like, it's this big ordeal. And there it's just like, Oh, I can literally, get to the airport, be at my gate and out like within an hour. That's kind of, wow, it's what a novel idea. Um, but it's also the other, the other thing about Portland. I really that like is just the, it's, it's a hyper creative community. Yeah. Like, there are so many ad agencies and, you know, Nike's there and Adidas is there and you know, studio Leica who does the, you know, Coraline and all those kind of stop motion things. They're there. Um, tons of startups, tons of, of tech stuff, but just like everywhere you walk around the city, it's just very, you can tell a lot of thought has been put into just design and like creativity. And there's, you know, <laughs> we've talked about this before. There are tons of just awesome comic shops that are, you know, they're all really unique and all interesting and bookstores. And just, it's, it's like, if you're somebody who's interested in creativity or writing or designing, it's like, this is, it's a great city to kind of recharge in. Right. Cause you get to see examples of all this stuff, even, even things like the Kennedy school. Um, so there's this, there's this really cool, uh, franchise of restaurants called uh, called McMinimins, hmm. and what they do is McMinimins goes and buys cool old spaces like an old elementary school or an old like you know old kind of hotel and just different different cool buildings or rooms around Portland. They preserve them you know, in their in their historic awesomeness and then kind of add on and really really double down on like their unique attributes and then they put like a cool restaurant or a cool movie theater or something. So Kennedy School is this actual old school that they found. And like the, the gym is like their, their uh, you know, place for wedding receptions and stuff. And they took like the old theater, they made it a movie theater and they took like the old principal's office and made it a cool cigar bar. And like, just throughout <laughs> the whole thing, there's just all these, and you can stay there. It's a hotel too. So it's like this really cool place. 
I don't I don't see a collection of of cool, interesting, creative things all together like that anywhere else. This, at least in my travel so far, London maybe, but London's so spread out, it's a little hard to to kind of keep inventory of them all. So that yeah, it's 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 such a cool place. I recommend anybody who needs a a recharge or just a you know place to hang out for a couple of days and just feel like you you were you know, you were able to kind of get back to your your frame of mind. Go to Portland, and the beach the beach is ninety minutes away too, so you even have that. Uh, right there as well. That's cool to think about. Um, I have not been to Portland myself, um, but I, I hear only well, I hear most mostly good things. <laughs> very very tiny amount of bad things about Portland. I mean, if any of the bad, I mean, there's yeah, it's got it's sort of like it's it's quirks, but a lot of the bad things you might hear, like for example, a lot, growing up, I always heard well, Portland's just as as rainy and cloudy as Seattle. And they kind of perpetuate that myth because they don't want more people moving there. <laughs> They've it's this weird sort of culture where they're like. They're like, please don't say how awesome we are because we we really need to keep everything the the population under control here. <laughs> we we don't need anyone new moving in. And I mean, it's it's kind of like Denver. It's like just everybody's hordes and hordes of people are moving there for you know lifestyle reasons. For you know just because yeah. there's so many cool creativity, you know, creatively based things there. I will say that the thing that really this particular trip was interesting because this is the first time I got to play with virtual reality in a really really meaningful way. Um, my okay. friend, my friend works with a new startup there called Dot Dot Dash, which is this. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's like a hybrid um, VR development studio. Plus, like they do really cool, like immersive light experiences too. So they'll take like LED displays and art, you know, kind of artistic setups and stuff, and then they'll attach them to, like, you know, if a bird chirps, then like this cool. LED like display will show you something or they'll take like half of a car and they'll build like a cool projection, like, you know, like cool, like digital projection room that you walk into. And it's just like this immersive art experience. So they're, they're really cool and really creative, but they had a a couple HTC vibes. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically, you know, the Oculus Rift, which has been in development for forever. Um, it's kind of like that, but I think it's better. Um, so it's, you know, it's a full, it's just a headset, you you know you have a headset and you have your little Wii your your Wii controllers, and uh, the HTC Vive comes with like a demo pack of cool games and stuff that you can play with, and oh my god the demo pack alone was was just incredible. Like I <laughs> I I played with this thing for four hours. The only reason I stopped was because a my I just it was too much visual input. I had to, I was getting exhausted just looking at stuff. And now, B did, did you oh, get like nauseated from it? Because I've not once. No, 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 not once. What was weird though is I did get vertigo. So, mm, uh, in, yeah. in in the the warehouse space I was in, they had kind of taped off like a box that was sort of the uh, the geo the geo fence around where I could be in the virtual world. And when you got close to that the edge of that in the in the experience, you'd see like a blue grid would pop up. So you knew like, hey, I can't stretch much further because the cord attached to this headset uh-huh. can only stretch so far. Which, by the way, that's that's something that I think will will improve pretty quickly is just the fact that that for 4K video they need that cord tethered to the computer. But as soon as that goes away, yeah. it's going to be even better. So in the well, in now, the world, you, well, real quick, in, well, real okay. quick in the world, you get to the edge and you see kind of like the grid. So to if you want to walk past sort of your boundary in the world, you teleport around the room. So you pick a spot that you want to be in the in the virtual room and you you zap mm. you know, with your controller you you appear there. Well, the first time I did that. 
I picked a spot very close to a wall. And so when I zapped over there and like this, all of a sudden this virtual wall was like right in front of my face, I, I snapped back and almost tipped over because I didn't realize like I was right. up here so close and just that sense of vertigo just kicked in really fast. I've, you know, I've done the same thing in Grand Theft Auto and all these other games, but it's never felt real until this. And my, right. my brain actually took it in as, oh my God, you're about to smack into this wall, even though you're not really. So yeah, it's that was that's what really surprised me in terms of the you know the feeling I got. So I I was going to clarify because a lot of times when we talk about like VR these days, everyone's talking about it on phones and yeah. the the Vive or whatever is not it's connected to a computer with with 4K video. It sounds like it's not it's not putting your phone into like a little portable headset, right? No, no. So like a lot of times too with phones, like you know Pokemon Go and that kind of stuff, like that's augmented reality. So let's. Yeah. I just want to clarify that well, virtual no, I mean, reality. Like Samsung so, has a VR, you know, headset and uh. Yeah, uh, and, and then Google Cardboard. has one, and yeah. You know, that's and those are VR, but those are like the, those are like the Apple Two E of VR, where it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get a little of the experience, but. The way the Vive and the Oculus are set up, it's an actual headset. Like it's built for, you know, you're yeah. like in, you know, in there. You look up, you look down. It's, it's meant to be easier on your eyes. It's not like a you know a high res phone, right? Just, you know, two inches from your eye. Burning eyeballs. into your retina, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's meant. It's better meant for for the experience. Um, and yeah, there's you know there was a couple well, of times I was aware of where you know you're always aware of wearing the headset and you're always aware that you're looking at something, especially like the worlds that are more Pixar you know and they aren't like photorealistic they're just more Pixar built. But even then, the level of detail is so awesome you sort of just give into it. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm in this world now. It's just it, it it's amazing how fast that happened. Yeah, well, it was I mean, I'm I'm sure there's a huge answer to this, but uh, just in those four hours that you experienced it. Well, what do you see as sort of the the greatest? What are you anticipating? I guess as as the content that comes to VR. Do you want uh, movies and storytelling in it, or do you want sort of uh, like National Geographic three sixty explorations of things, or do you want gaming? I would say the last two. You know, I okay. Think, so so the one of the demo packs had you know one of the demo packs was a game where you're standing on a on a, on a thing and you're shooting your arrow to try to prevent the people from getting in the castle and the people they're not even people they, they look like the restroom you know the restroom logos of a man or a woman you know they're with but just carrying right. swords and they're trying to storm the castle but even then like you felt like you felt like the actual bow in your hand and you could pull it back and you felt the tension and it was just crazy how how that worked so like that kind of in in game experience i want more of that you know i can't wait till they make or they reboot like Mist as a VR experience, or even like Bioshock Infinite as like a VR experience. Like that's gonna blow my goddamn mind because it's all those games are missing is just that ability to turn around and you know feel like you're part of that world. I think the movie thing is gonna be interesting. It's we were talking about that. It's you know if you're gonna do a, a TV show or a movie in that space, you basically have to take what would be a, a writing team of like five to ten people and triple it because you're gonna need people who are writing storylines like if i go into a bar and you know like one of the main characters is in the bar and you know they do something but there's a couple other people sitting in the bar i want to be able to walk up to those people and have a chat with them so somebody's gonna have to write that dialogue and somebody's gonna have to write what happens if i just hang out in the bar and don't follow the movie story like what's the event that gets me out of the bar to keep you know keep following the story so (laughs) all those all those little tricks and things are going to have to be written for and accounted for what i don't want and this this exists now I don't want to put on a VR headset and watch a movie 
like and basically be in a virtual world where I'm in a virtual movie theater watching a movie. Like that's right, not, right. Not what. Well, this- I like I, I haven't checked it out, but I know like even Stranger Things did a VR experience. I didn't um, know this. Uh, I so I believe it's just sort of a a, a teaser for you know what they they hope will come. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they've redone it. I don't know that every episode is available in that 360 video. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at least what I read was they, you know, here's two minutes of, of a Stranger Things VR experience that'll freak you out. Um, the other thing that I really so, want, well, the other thing I really want out of this, and like one of the demos was a robot repair workshop. And when one of the robots comes in for you to work on it, all of a sudden you have the, the Jarvis Tony Stark interface. Like in, in a virtual world, so you could actually like right. you could pull it apart and move it with your hands and stuff. I mean, you're holding the controllers, but you can still move it and and manipulate it and stuff. And like that was, I'm like, oh my god! Like in this virtual world, I get to have that interface. Like that's really cool. So to be able to, you know, to be able to have that, and I think some of that could play into augmented reality too. At, at some point, it's got to go. And I feel like right now, the the HTC Vive, as good as it is, and the Oculus, as good as it is, it's still the Motorola Razor of this technology. You know, when the razor came out, everybody's like, Oh my God, this is the greatest flip phone ever. You know, we were, you know, people were excited and was, yeah. you know, I was like, wow, that's where we are now. So in five to six years, and when we get the iPhone one, you know, the iPhone one of this stuff, that's when we're really going to see it. It's what it's, it's gotta be something where I don't have to wear this gigantic headset. I can wear like a pair of Warby Parker glasses that, yeah. you know, are, are, you know, powered on their own accord that Bluetooth into whatever the connection is. And then it's I can I can toggle between VR and AR and have like that kind of experience. I think that's where this is ultimately headed. Yeah, and I th- it's funny too because I think the there, there's sort of a split now, and it's not something I follow that closely. But there's a split between this sort of Oculus and what I've seen from the I have of like you know a standalone VR experience that you you know is computer powered mm-hmm. versus these sort of Google, the Google Cardboard contraption that they're, yeah. you know, putting packaging with phones and stuff these days. And I, I think for those, I just don't understand the gimmick of it. It's like a Viewmaster or like a McDonald's prize or something. I mean, I don't necessarily want to like drop my, I get the, like, it's, it sounds great once it gets great, but just putting my phone into some, you know, into a headset yeah, the- and like, you know, watching a short little movie is, that's great for a Stranger Things trailer, but it's not, you know, for for someone to really enjoy this, uh, it's going to have to be that strap-on feel, yeah. where you, or or like you suggest, like where it's just nice eyeglasses, where you don't notice that you're wearing a whole headset. You know. Yeah. The thing about the um, cardboard and those those things, they're gimmicky a little bit, but I think I look at it more as a very cheap way to introduce this technology yeah. to a lot of people. Where it's well, like, and it's not even cardboard that I would object to. Cardboard to to me is definitely like a proof of concept. But mm-hmm. you know, like what Samsung's doing, what some other mobile manufacturers are doing it's like big viewmaster kind of things that, yeah yeah you know it's like well we can do all this on a cardboard for 15 dollars. why am i gonna yeah. buy why am i gonna buy this thing from you or it's it's a very strange uh experimental world, i don't begrudge i mean i don't begrudge them doing it because like if you're samsung you're like okay we want to be able to, to develop our own htc vibe we need two things to make that happen one we need customer recognition that we are, you know, we have something to do with that world. So if even if we have to put out a crappy sort of demo version of it, we're just going to start. And then B, we need the number, you know, we need a, we need a little bit of a revenue stream to start funding that stuff. So I'm sure every, you know, I'm yeah. sure every dollar from one of those Viewmaster things spent or received goes into <laughs> their, their, you know, their, 
Um, yeah, I'm not even saying it's like a ton of money, but it's you know a couple million dollars that they could use to to you know, funnel into their R and D on VR and stuff. But like I've looked at like you know how what Sony's putting out for their you know their PlayStation VR, what Microsoft's going to be doing with the Xbox VR. Like so, we're going to have we're going to be swimming in VR headsets soon. Where I think yeah. we're going to have a huge problem, and if it's not solved soon, it's going to be a problem. We need like a unified, what kind of like a unified operating system for all of these headsets. So, right. If I'm playing in the, you know, if I'm playing in the in the PS on the PS3 headset, I should be able to play, you know, you know, Quake, you know, Quake VR with all the other people playing Quake VR on their, you know, on their headsets, and we all sort of embark from the same, you know virtual room and stuff there just needs to be that that language because if everybody gets really proprietary with their little you know their worlds and like you got to have a you got to have a microsoft headset to play microsoft game, like yeah it's going to become a huge problem and it's going to just it's going to sh- short circuit and delay the evolution of this technology by by years so it's like I, people need to get over that and there needs to be kind of like you know much like dot h you know h.264 is like the video codec everybody uses like there needs to be right. sort of some standards soon so we don't get into this weird, you know, you've got to buy five headsets just to, you know, keep up with everything. Well, and I, I, I guess that's part of what I sense from the, the the weird mobile influence of it is that I believe Samsung already has like their own VR store. Because mm-hmm. I think the news I read on the Netflix, um, Stranger Things being in VR was that it's, you know, it's already available in their Samsung, whatever. And so it's like, oh, good Lord. So now like Netflix has to make a Samsung VR app and then they'll probably have to make an android Uh, app and an itunes app and um so you're right that's totally going to delay it it's you know it it should be just be a (laughs) some kind of codec i would say that the book ready player one which will soon be a steven spielberg directed movie that book is kind of the roadmap that everybody needs to look at like that's where we're headed i mean i read that book last year and as i was playing with the the vibe i'm like oh my god this is we're we're firmly pointed in that direction um, yeah, and that's in the book too. It gets, it gets really crazy. Cause you know, the people who, everybody who goes to school gets like a standard government issue headset that lets them access school world, you know, <laughs> and then you can go to your school. So you can be, right. you, know, you can be wherever, but you're going to, it's almost like the, the true, the true kind of final step of the Khan Academy model or the MOOC model where it's like, you know, you stay, you can go to school anywhere you want. You can, you know, you can be in Creighton, South Dakota, where I grew up and like go to school, you know, go to school people from New York at like the cool, you know, the really cool, you know, math, the math college or whatever it is, but it's all, it's all school world. But then as you, you know, the, the richer families can afford, you know, more intense headsets, they can inform, you know, afford like <laughs> entire haptic suits. And the, the thing that really blew my mind is in the, in the book, not only was when he starts winning some money and stuff, was he, in a haptic suit and you know the, the, the you know the, the top line headset but he's he was in kind of like this harness that let him like fly and walk around in the world without you know any kind of limitations so i feel like if we get some really killer games you know developed or some some apps developed ooh on that note so google's put out this this basically what i'm going to call like 3d photoshop where you're in a world and you can draw with light and draw with like you know whatever and there's like a palette for you, you can create like actual three dimensional sculptures of stuff and it's um, i mean they can be huge too like they can be you know as big or as small as you want that was really kind of like the first killer app i think that that vr can have because it's like all of a sudden you can actually create you can move around the room create you know whatever you want like at one point one of the demos was a like a a fire breathing dragon made out of light 
And then like you walk through the flight, the flame is actually an animated flame. That's just like continuously Whoa. going. And that was like really cool. And another one was like a, um, you know, like this giant, like Galactus hand, like reaching out to grab a planet. And it was like, you could walk, you know, you could zoom in or walk through it and stuff. So like there's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, I mean, right now, so dot, dot, dash, one of the things they do is they help set up like, you know, it pop up um, virtual like art, art installations right so you walk into gotcha. just an empty space you put on the headset and you see like all the all the sculptures and stuff that the artist has created i wouldn't be surprised if that's you know if, if entire wings of galleries aren't now devoted to that over the next 10 years um hmm. just such a cool, cool well and, yeah eventually you don't have to go any to any gallery to do that <laughs> you yeah. just put the headset on exactly and that or even like amusement parks i was thinking too like think about all the liability they wouldn't have to pay for <laughs> If all of a sudden, you know, you're on a, you know, there will always be people who want the old school, you, you know, you know what it really is. It's, it's this, you know, as we see digital music become a thing and become entrenched, then like everybody goes back like, well, vinyl is like the true experience. And you see as Kindle books become <laughs> you know, more entrenched or digital books, it's like, well, re- the physical book is the real experience. Um, I wonder if we're not going to start seeing like the slow life movement. You know, after VR really takes hold of it, it's like, you know, we see like That's little such PSAs. a good idea, man. We see PSAs and we see little like, you know, nonprofits. Like, you know, we, we encourage you just to take off the headset and enjoy life the slow way again. You know, where it's like people are like, I want to ride a roller coaster so I can feel it in my hands and feel the, feel the, the vibrations and the air in my face. Because, you know, VR coaster is cool, but it's like the real, the real one is really what we need to be after. And you and I are in our, yeah. our 50s and we're like, you know, all these kids are like, remember back when things were real? I'm like, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. I don't, I'm not sure why we're having this conversation well, now, but okay. Toward your, uh, your your mention of like a platform for VR, I, um, I don't know too much about Google Daydream, but I, mm-hmm. I believe that is their their sort of uh, description of it is that it is a, it is going to be a platform for mobile VR. I have not heard of that. I'm going to have to look at that. I'm sure. Uh, oh, and it, it comes out this fall. Oh, wow. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Shoot. Interesting. Yeah, I always get it confused with Google Deep Dream, <laughs> which was the thing that made the the um, really crazy art sort of, you know, um, yeah, I can't even the very hallucinogenic. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Looking art, and and so I'm always like, yeah, I think Google's doing something in VR, like Deep Dream, <laughs> but it's no, it's Daydream. And it's um, funny you say that though, because it felt like honestly the the analogy I had. Or the metaphor I had after you know after I took the headset off, it felt like being an inception. You know when they're planning the heist and they're in that little warehouse planning the heist, and then they they all go into the dream and then they come out. Like it felt a lot like that. Like oh, I was in the dream world and I'm back again. You know, it's like it had that sort of context to it. Yeah. When you take the headset off and you're back in a just a regular old space again, you're kind of like oh. But the first thing your brain kind of feels like is like oh, I just woke up. Like oh, I'm back. Um, right. You know who's, you know, Google doing this is a good idea. You know who's, of all the companies researching and looking into this, you know who's not doing anything as far as I know in VR right now? Apple. Uh, I, you know, I, Apple has been suspiciously quiet on this front. And it's like, I wonder if that's not going to be a major problem for them. Uh, Because they're not even doing AR. Like they're not even, they're not even touching this in any way as far as I can tell. I, it seems like, and I can't speak intelligently on this, but it seems like just recently I saw an article not announcing their work, but basically saying exactly that. Like Apple's been suspiciously quiet. So almost like, what have they been up to? 
yeah. in the VR space. So I think, I, you know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say they haven't been up to much. I think if anything, they're playing catch up like crazy because, like most things, they're like, well, we'll let everybody else do it, and then we'll just we'll come up with a a, a more expensive, shinier way to do that thing. Um, and then we'll just go from there. Like they, Apple's problem, this, this is a whole other podcast too, but Apple's problem seems to be what served them really well for so long, which is let others invent technology and then we'll take it and perfect it. Um, now doesn't work because they are not innovating anything new. So like, you know, Microsoft tries, I mean, it, you can say what they will, say what you will about that. Um, what's their AR, their AR experience that they've, they piloted last year. I forget what it's called. It's the, um, hang on. <laughs> It's uh, no, it's a big deal. I'm going to keep the Xbox or something or it was hollow, a hollow lens. Um, oh, okay. So like that came out last year, like the, everybody who's played with the hollow lens, you know, there's been some mixed, mixed responses, but a lot of people were really positive on it, but nowhere from Apple, you know, there were, there were 15 MP3 players before the iPod ever came out. So I wonder if they're playing that game. And I don't know if that's going to work for them anymore. Cause it's like, you've got to have the patents and you've got to have the, you got to be known as like, the next new thing is coming from this company. The next, I mean, Facebook has been pouring money into VR and AR and like Apple's not even on the map right now. So it's, I don't know. It's yeah. interesting to keep an eye on. I would, I would kind of trust them that something's happening behind the scenes, but I appreciate your skepticism at that. That's a, I'll, that's good to I'll gladly rescind that. Uh, you know, when the time comes, Hey, while I'm thinking about it too, going back to the comic shop stuff in Portland, um, I got to give a shout out to a couple of stores that are go, just, going back to it. We haven't even talked about it. Well, I, I sort of highlighted the fact that there were cool comic shops <laughs> there, but um, one of the, one of my new favorite things to do there is there are, I mean, Portland's filled with comic shops. It's crazy. It's like, it, it's, they're like, they're like Walgreens they are everywhere. And they're all like very, very different, which I really appreciate. Like they're all very distinct. They have their own sort of vibe of the, of the space, you know, the selection, the curation, like all of it's just, you could go into, you know, three of them and come out with a completely different stack of stuff, which I did. Um, I hilariously texted you too. I don't know if you got it, but like I texted you at one point coming out of, of one of the stores called Bridge City Comics. And I was like, I think you're gonna have to wire me fifteen hundred dollars. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to settle my debt. I didn't that spend actually, that much. That was actually a voicemail that I did not understand. <laughs> well, I, was, yeah, I came great. out of there. I came out of that store after being in there for like literally two hours, and uh, you know I had my stack, but I'm like, this is this is gonna get dangerous really fast because of my stack. Like that was it was painful to get to that stack because I would have had, you know, were it not for the fact that I was flying, I might have I might have picked up a lot more just because I couldn't fit any more in my bag, but. Jesus. So Bridge City Comics is a really good one. It's it's kind of downtown. Well, not downtown. It's across the river, but it's um. Uh, in fact, let me just see here. It is. I'm trying to find the exact. If you're in Portland and you know about any of these stores, I'm I'm kind of jealous because it's. Yeah, here we go. It is. Uh, it's on uh, Mississippi Avenue. Is okay. where uh, Bridge City is. It's kind of. It's a, You know. There's. It's kind of a historic cool little neighborhood um but i i just kind of discovered it randomly last year really great store really 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 well curated like it's it reminded me a lot of muse comics in colorado springs which you and i visited earlier this year uh and that it has just it, really heavy focus on graphic novels but their selection is ridiculous their curation is even better um even things too they had they had a really a lot of cool alt covers like there was this really great wicked and divine a variant that was just there that I'm like, oh God, I gotta get this. It was almost like that. <laughs> it was almost like that. Uh, that uh, uh, all hail the queen punk album cover, which I think was. Oh, I'm gonna really. 
Or you're thinking of God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols? God Save the Queen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it looked a lot like that, which was cool because that sort of you know mimics one of the one of the arcs in that story right now. The other the other right. shop that I really really took to is uh, Future Dreams, which is they're celebrating their 38th year in Portland this year. Um, not always at this location, I discovered, but they've been at this location for several years too. As as well curated and clean and just. It was almost like an art gallery, Bridge City Comics. Future Dreams is like your your granddad's or uncle's like like treasure trove basement that he just hasn't had time to really you know clean up yet. So it's just stacked with stuff. Um, you know, there's no it's kind of there's no rhyme or reason to where stuff is is located, but they've got so much cool stuff that I've never seen anywhere else. And what's even better is the guy at the counter is incredibly knowledgeable, and he has this giant stack of 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 trade paperback sitting there. It's always new every week and it's just their essential reading stack. So you can come in and go, yeah, I'm, I'm really liking, you know, I'm really liking uh, East of West or I'm really liking postal. Like what else? And he will go to that stack and start pulling stuff strategically out and walk you through like this. You'll like this because blah, 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 and have a really good reason. And he's right every time. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like fortune telling in some way. Like you're, you're almost like, you almost want to <laughs> go in and, and have him like, and try to like, prove him wrong or prove that he won't do it and every time you walk out of there with like oh my god of course he i love his, he is his own uh <laughs> um uh, oh shit what was i gonna say he's his own algorithm of your tastes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i called him i was like dude you're really good at this he's like oh you know just some of it's some of it's smoke and mirrors i'm like yeah but don't don't say that because you're really good at this like it's you're really good at it. but so i i got um bizarrely there i got a something I'd never seen before, but it was like a PT Barnum of Barnum and Bailey fame. Like there was this kind of graphic novel about him and Tesla was the villain. So I'm like, Jesus, I, what is this? <laughs> so it just looked, it looked really cool. So I picked that up. I picked a few other things up. Um, and then as, as I was leaving, there was another comic store downtown, like proper downtown that I passed. And I, ah, I'm, I hate the fact that I forgot the name. Cause I was only in there for 10 minutes. Um, I just popped in before my flight just to check it out. And I was like, damn it. And again, they had a great selection, diff- completely different selection. Um, you know, they're they're pushing a lot of the the Boom uh, label stuff or Boom Studio stuff, which I was I'm I'm, I'm a new convert to, so I was appreciative of that. Um, but Jesus, I mean, Portland's got if you're a comic fan living in Portland, it's your cup runneth over because there's just there's so much <laughs> you can go to, and you can do a circuit. You could every Saturday you could hit each one of these these shops up and get something completely unique in each of them. Um, so they all they all kind oh, of so have dangerous. their strengths. I know it's it's it, yeah. And there's cities like you know, as you well know, like there are cities where you have like a shop and it's probably okay. Yeah. You know, and it's you just kind of get by and it's your your you know your city shops you you have loyalty to it. But this is like every week you could have your own mini comic con and just kind of go to shop to shop and just love every second of it. So that's my that's my that other little extremely thing. cool. It's cool, but it's like I gotta, any... oh go ahead. Besides those issues that you've mentioned, were, were there any other things you picked up? Like you mentioned this pile of stuff you came out of from Bridge City. Like what was in it? What uh, yeah, <laughs> What so, are you most looking forward to diving into? Well, two things that I intended to get. So I always have my like list of things. I, okay, I need to get these things. And then I have the, the rest of my list is like whatever they suggest or whatever I serendipitously find, I'm going to go for. So two of the things that I did get were the trade paperback for Citizen Jack, which if you haven't read Citizen Jack – do so before this election's over. It is so apropos of the current presidential election. It's it's ridiculous. Um, that's awesome. I also got uh, uh, the trade, the volume two of um, 
of uh, Injection. And so I, I kind of took to Injection. Volume 1, the, the TP came out earlier this year. I read it. I liked the art and stuff. But the story was kind of, I don't know. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like as exciting to me as I had hoped it would be. So I, I kind of was like, well, I'll check out Volume 2 and we'll just see. And holy crap, Volume 2 takes on a whole different it volume two follows just one character that you get introduced to the last time but last the last uh volume was kind of all the characters kind of had their their little moments and it would bounce back and forth this one really follows one character specifically who's kind of the sherlock holmes uh, of this whole thing Th- to give you an idea injection is basically the x-files meets sherlock holmes plus doctor who here and there like it and, and this volume really really locks that home for me so i loved it so much more i need to go back and reread volume one now that i have this incredible appreciation of the story up to this point um so i was really happy about that the other um let's say i bought a couple a couple single issues um strange attractors which is a boom series that i've really gotten into picked that up um Picked up a, a an Arcadia or two, another Boom series I'm into. There's a couple of things that uh, Bridge City had a lot of really good recommendations. I and hang on here, I just uh, you know it's caught. So if what you're, was the first Boom series that you mentioned? Um, Strange Attractors, and it is. How do I sum that up? Um, <laughs> art is really good. The co- Boom's covers are really good, so it's like it's really hard to say no. But Strange Attractors is about this college professor who's been studying New York City for years and has figured out all the like mathematical algorithms that help define if the city is going to succeed or fail. And he, he solicits this uh, graduate student into his employ that they go around the city and like they, they map the city's algorithm. They, they kind of understand it on a mathematical level. And then they start to make small adjustments. So like, you know, he could knock a, uh, he could knock a, a, a cup of water over on a table and know like where the ripple effects will will send the city, and so he's doing this all the meanwhile. There's like this big, kind of this chaotic element that keeps rearing its head, and so they're trying to figure out a way to make a big event that will stop the city from descending into chaos. So it's super super cool in that respect. There's just uh, is it sort of a like a standalone like story on its own, or is this a continuing series? A continuing series. I don't know if they they okay. may they may hit the end of it. You know, at some point, but I think they're they are five issues into into the series, so it's really cool. The other thing, um, so Bridge City recommended this this series called Change, which is uh, written by Ailes Cott. Ailes Cott, uh, prolific image writer. He's done The Surface. He's done Material Zero, Wolf, um, a lot of cool trippy stuff. But ch- uh, uh, Change is like one of the first things he ever did. So there's a trade paperback. They handed it to me. Um, it looks weird as hell. It looks, it kind of looks like a, a Yodorowsky meets like Lovecraft kind of thing. So I'm just like, Jesus, this is, I'm going to have to digest that very slowly. Oh, um, okay. and then, um, I just got to, I got the one thing that the uh, future Jamie store is really good at is, is, uh, upselling their sample packs. So I got a sample pack book or two for some other, from some other non-image, uh, indie studios that, uh, I've di- dived into. And the sample packs, they give you the first issue of like six different series. Yeah. And it's like six bucks. It's like the best deal ever. I don't know why they should do this. Image should do this every month. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I bought a couple of those and there's some stories in there that I'm really digging too. So I'll, uh, I'll have more to talk about on the comics front very soon. It's, it's like, it's weird. I've gone, I've taken a hard turn back now from superhero stuff to like, you know, the arty <laughs> indie story kinds of kinds of things again. 
Well, I think on the on the day that we are recording this, I think you are just. A, I think it's this ne- the upcoming new comics day. I think you're going to get a new issue of the Island magazine comic yeah. that you've really been enjoying. So, we'll we'll it's it'll probably by the time you digest some of the stuff, it'll be it'll comics podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be. Need, I need to start. Blo- honestly, I just need to start doing some kind of blog based thing with comics because there's so I, and the problem is like i mean good lord bridge city i could legitimately have purchased and loved like half of that store i mean just like yeah half the stuff they had there and it was just like i've never i've never seen this before i've never seen this before the thing bridge city does uh, that i really appreciate when you first walk in on the left there is a wall that is curated by their favorite uh writers or I think it's more writers than designers, but there's like the Hickman, the Hickman section, and you see all the the John the Hickman stuff. There's the Yodorowsky section. There's the um, Alan Moore section. So like, if you're into those authors, you can see all their stuff kind of picked into one spot right away. It's like kind of like their heavy hitters wall. Um, was really appreciative of that because a lot of times you got to like you know they don't usually group group stuff by author. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool way to to group stuff together. So I was really appreciative of that. You know, there's like the Neil Gaiman section. Yeah. Um, and, and they also, and they always have like one, one poll that's like highlighted in that section. That's always different every week. So that they'll take like one yeah. Jonathan Hickman thing. Like, and that's how I found nightly news last year. Cause they had yeah. that the 10th anniversary edition pulled out and sat there. And they're like, if you like Jonathan Hickman, or if you want to start here, start here. So I grabbed that last year. and was just like, Holy crap. That's still, that remains one of my favorites, um, favorite things. I will say when I got back, so it was my birthday weekend, and I have friends who know I'm a big, big comics fan. Um, my friend Brianna got me as my gift uh, Strange Attractors, uh, not Strange Attractors, um, good Lord, uh, Day Trippers. And so I've seen Day Trippers. It's a Vertigo release, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or Day Tripper. I'm sorry, Day Tripper. Yeah, Day Tripper, not uh, singular, not plural. Um, and so I've seen it you know, in certain lists of like, you know, best graphic, uh, you know, 100 best graphic novels, that kind of stuff. So I've, I've seen it around. Yeah, it's DC via Vertigo. Um, but I, I cracked it open and oh my, th- this may be, I'm not done with it yet, but this may be one of my top three favorite books of all time. Wow. It's, uh, I'll talk more about it later, but it's, I mean, I opened that thing up and it's, it's, it's almost like a tale of sand plus material plus, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's it's like this crazy the conceit and I don't even I don't even know if I want to spoil the conceit. Once you discover the con- you, you once you discover like the mechanics of the book, you're like, oh, like you you have to start again just because you're like, this is what they're doing. What? You know, but it's it's very much it's based on this this writer in Brazil, um, and kind of his life and his sort of you know, he's kind of having a midlife crisis moment, but it it, it examines every era of his life in some profound way. So I'll say that without giving away the there's like there's a there's sort of a twist that that early on accompanies his story that you're like, oh, OK, interesting. Um, so, yeah, day trip. I, I, I the art for it and it looks really cool. It's gorgeous. You know, at first, you know, the cover is kind of misleading. The cover's OK, but the actual art itself, once you get into it, is really, really good. Um, it's kind of got a really good watercolor sort of vibe to it. But, yeah, it's I I called her up. I was like, you just gave me one of the coolest things ever like this is you know it's one of those it's and it's a standalone series it's not like it's a ongoing you know it's like this is there's gonna be day tripper volume seven coming it's it was just a one and done series of stories that really i don't know if it came out as single issues but it it needs to be consumed as a as a start to finish graphic novel like it really takes advantage of that of that medium 
So yeah, I need, we need to, you know, and you and I are, are plotting our, our, their website and some other stuff too, that we'll be talking about on the podcast soon. So hopefully part of that is, and if I can figure out a, a really good way to talk about my comic reading more, more regularly, um, that would be awesome. Yeah, we we may have a uh, we may have a guest host on a comics podcast very soon. I'll I'll talk to you about that off air. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so I mean, although you we we've talked about it a little bit, but um, yeah, uh, we we can start setting up these uh, schedules. Yeah. Well, that being said, cool. um, I think that kind of covers it for this week. Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry we had some technical issues at the beginning, uh, but listeners of this podcast at this point probably only noticed that there are sections cut out of our conversation yeah <laughs> so maybe if i'll put some jarring. nice like, interstitial music or something in between <laughs> if there's ever a jarring moment the nsa didn't come in and 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 uh, kidnap us it just was simply the incompetence of comcast and xfinity and comcast America. that name again that you should never use is comcast <laughs> it's like it's definitely like definitely you know... get google get google fiber nashville get google fiber <laughs> it's like it's like it's like saying it's he whose, whose name must not be spoken it's we should just really refer to it as you know them that company yeah, the, yeah them that yeah. would be great well where can folks find um, you online? cool well uh sure find me on twitter at hey todd a uh that's that's pretty much where i hang out these days um and what about you i'm at taylor trask and we're both at todd and taylor.com and soon to be soon yeah. to be other websites and things too. We're gonna we're starting to ramp up some cool ideas and projects for the fall. So if you're a listener, a regular listener, or a new listener, like stay stay tuned. We've got some really cool stuff that you know we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now, and we started talking about other things we can do and more things and you know, web series and other podcasts. So we've got we've got some cool stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, until the next episode, uh, we're, we're off. <laughs> We we need a better we need a better outro.